Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Thursday, April 27th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. Pressure builds on the Prime Minister to step in as the public sector strike continues. Most of our members who are on strike, the vast majority of them, are women. How can the Prime Minister say that he's a feminist when he's completely ignoring these workers? So will the Prime Minister accept that this is serious, it requires the full attention of government, then he's got to get serious about getting a contract for these workers now. What is he going to do today? Well, start spreading the news. He's leaving today. He wants to be a part of it. New York, New York. Canada will send up to 250 troops to help evacuate Canadians trapped in Sudan. The conditions on the ground have to be right for Canadians to be evacuated via the Canadian aircraft, the CC-130s that are on the ground in the region and ready to do so. And the federal government unveils its action plan on official bilingualism. This new action plan will help ensure the continued growth and prosperity of both English and French across our country. Joining us is Catherine Levesque, parliamentary reporter for the National Post. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. So lots to talk about. Yesterday, big uh, strike action on Parliament Hill. Uh, They estimated a crowd of 10,000, the biggest crowd ever. And, you know, a few days ago, they were talking a little bit more optimistically. Now it seems no, no, no optimism. What's your read of where it's at? Uh, Well, look, I, I think, yes, there was some optimism you know, in the past few days. But uh, I think yesterday, we, we really reached an impasse, right? I mean, you know, it seems like talks have had fallen, uh, you know, both sides wouldn't budge. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting, because there was, you know, a demonstration, I think, on both sides, you know, lots of, uh, you know, strong words were said, uh, Mona Forte called the, the PSAC's demands unreasonable, unaffordable mm-hmm. uh, yesterday morning. And uh, PSAC, on the other hand, said, look, we, we've budged from our 13.5% ask. We're asking the government to do the same thing. And so at the end of the day yesterday, well, it seemed, you know, the, the strategy seems to have worked, right? Because Mona Forti ended up saying, well, look, 9% over three years, and, and we're talking about the eight, the, the wage increase here, Um Look, this is not our final offer, but I don't, you know, I I can't do much more here. So there seems to be an openness, I think, on the part of the federal government to maybe budge a little bit on that aspect. But I think, you know, really the big, the bigger issue, and I think the, the, you know, the issue that they're probably still talking about at the negotiating table is, um, you know, the work from home aspect and, uh, you know, whether or not to enshrine this in the uh, collective agreement. So um, that is really, I think, a bigger issue even than than the wages right now. But certainly, look, I, I you know, I went on, on Parliament Hill, lots of strikers, especially between uh, 9 a.m. And, and 2 p.m. yesterday, they were all there. And um, I think, you know, they really seemed concerned with the escalation uh, between both negotiating parties. They were also wondering, well, how long is this going on? Uh, you know, when what will I be able to go back to work? Uh, you know, even some global affairs people saying, well, look, I I would like to, you know, help Canadians get out of Sudan. And I, I can't do that right now. I mean, I, you know, I do want to go go back to work. So there certainly was a lot of concern on that point. But also a lot of frustration, because, um, you know, something I, I heard from strikers is, you know, they're saying, well, look, our, our demands are not unreasonable. I mean, MPs just you know, had a wage increase uh, earlier this month of about 8%. 
And uh, they also they can work from home, you know, because they have hybrid parliaments. So uh, I thought it was kind of interesting to hear that, you know, coming from strikers and coming from people who, you know, are ready to go on the picket lines every day. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, you're right that the wage increase is big, but it's almost like a shiny object compared to how do they deal with the work from home thing? Because the whole country is watching that. Wages are huge. If they get the wages they're asking for, <clears throat> you know, that's going to, um, you know, to increase the debt. I mean, the parliament, former parliamentary budget officer, Kevin Page, was talking about that. So wages are huge. People are looking at that. That is big. But it's almost like uh, the work from home is so new and the whole country and many other unions are watching this to see where it goes. It's almost landmark. Um, but I, I noticed yesterday <clears throat> that the man of the hour was the prime minister. Everybody wanted him to get involved, right? Whether the union come in and open the purse strings or the opposition, it's all your fault. Like he's the guy and <clears throat> he's gone to New York as we know. And uh, so he said, he has said, he said yesterday, the union has to be very aware of how this strike is impacting the public and they have to be mindful of this. Like yes. to me, I read into that. I have back to work legislation in my back pocket and I'm going to have to, you know, I will have to use it at some point. Like, do you think that that is a possibility soon? We're in day nine here. I, I I don't I didn't see that as a threat necessarily. No. I, I think you know he was maybe more referring to uh, you know remember at the beginning of the strike Trudeau kind of sent out a warning right he said Canadians won't have a lot of patience for you know people striking and, and you know Canadians not getting the services they need so um, I I think maybe it was more in, in that sense but uh, you're right I mean I think look yesterday we we kind of had a surprise by seeing uh, you know the the polls showing that actually a lot of the strikers have public support right now um but you know that could shift that angus Reid poll quickly. you're talking about right yes exactly yeah. mm -hmm. um we, i i was surprised personally yep. by uh, you know the, the results of that poll um but uh, and you know frankly i think it also surprised the government a little bit <laughs> you know that the public the you know that the strikers had public support at the same time i mean that could shift quite rapidly right because you know the 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 strikers are going to be intensifying their actions. I mean, they're blocking ports. Uh, they could mm -hmm. block, you know, a number of other, um, you know, facilities that are pretty crucial to, to the Canadian economy. Um, at the same time, you know, more and more people are going to be getting antsy about getting their passport, getting their tax return. So um, I think the government is fully aware of all that. And uh, look, if this goes on for too long, I mean... You're right. There could be some back to work legislation. I'm sure someone is is working on that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, at, at this moment uh, when, when we're speaking right now. But I don't think the government wants to use it, though. Right. I, I think, you know, they're they're still trying to achieve. They're trying to keep the union on the side without blowing the budget and exactly. uh, and and giving away the whole back to work thing. So if that's not a headache, I'd go to New York, too. <laughs> I would do the same. And, and and just on that aspect, I would say, you know, that it's 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 easy to call for the prime minister to get involved. But the mm -hmm. reality is that he, he you know, he won't get involved. Um, it, no, you know, he's the, not going to go and sit at the table. That's not going to happen. No, absolutely no. not. You know, I, I, I get the unions ask to ask for for the boss. Right. You know, right. Say, symbolic. Well, I'm asking for the manager. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where's the girl from Ash? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, I think the real boss is Christian Freeland. You know, she ultimately will be the one saying, 
look, we can increase just a little bit. We can give them maybe a little bit more or not, Um, not uh, Justin Trudeau. Okay, so let's, um, I was going to go over the Prime Minister's itinerary in New York, which everybody's talking about him being in New York, but um, uh, he's gone, he won't be in question period today because he's down there uh, at this um, uh, this organization uh, that includes, um, uh, uh, it's called Global Citizen. So anyway, yes. j- just so people know, that's what he's doing down there. He's mm-hmm. on a panel about women's equality and he's talking critical minerals. And hopefully we won't have to hear Pierre Polyev sing in the house again today. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about... Um, uh, Sudan, because we know that uh, that there are troops uh, in the uh, headed there, according to the government, and uh, there are Hercules at the ready, waiting for the right conditions to go in. And Catherine, you know, the government has said we were so surprised by how everything happened, but uh, I think you and I were talking, and we both noticed a report today by Global News, Mercedes uh, Stevenson and Alex Butillier, uh, saying that they've known for quite some time. So, did you think that could be problematic? Oh, absolutely. I, I think, you know, it was, it was great reporting that we saw. I mean, and of course, uh, both uh, both reporters have uh, great sources in, in the military and national security uh, domains. Uh, but uh, look, the, the Canadian government, I mean, according to this report, knew for three weeks that this was coming and, you know, just were, were simply not preparing. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, it, it adds a bit more context to the technical briefing that we had uh, yesterday afternoon, um, because look, the you know the the same question arises, right? You know, it's like if, uh, Afghanistan. Why didn't we know? Uh, mm-hmm. Why didn't we prepare sooner? Why aren't we there on the ground? Why do we have to depend on our allies? So those are all the same questions, and uh, you know, basically the the response that we got from um, global affairs officials, but also the, from the Canadian Armed Forces officials is. Saying, look, we we were taking we were taken by surprise a little bit. We you know we didn't know that things would intensify as rapidly. Um, they did say, however, that they knew um, about two weeks ago that you know they they had convened some uh, like minded allies to talk about the situation and you know the the type of thing that Canada does, right? yeah. you know, convening people, right? Um, but you know, it, it seems like you know, we, and and we're trying to get on the ground and trying to, you know, get our Canadians out by ourselves. But as of right now, it's very difficult because, right, you, you know, we have to have the right conditions. You have to have the, uh, you and know, I think the, the, the ceasefire is about to end, right? Exactly. So, right. Because like, and, and the window the is going to close pretty soon, right? That small exactly. window. Uh, you know, the ceasefire, I mean, started two days ago. The ceasefire is uh, 72 hours. So you just have a couple of hours left. Time is really of the essence here. And the and the Canadian government has made it very clear that, uh, you know, they're repatriating Canadians this week, but that might that might not be possible after the end of this week. So uh, really, you know, this is a very, very stressful time for Canadians out there. And uh, the reality is that we have to, you know, we have been relying on our allies it's unclear if if our our own airplanes will be able to uh get canadians and uh, even if they do get canadians i mean look it's very limited what we can do we're basically bringing the canadians to a safe country a third safe country and then they have to pay uh their own plane ticket to come back home to come back to canada so someone uh, was saying ten thousand dollars right so it's it's a yeah, terrible situation people. to be in. Mm. So we'll be watching that. And you've been working on 
<clears throat> the government's official languages uh, announcement yesterday. Um, you just you, you you were working on that yesterday. You've got a story on it. What was that all about? Uh, so basically, it's, you know, we're coming to the conclusion of a very long saga, you know, it's years in the making, um, C-13, which, you know, should pass in the coming days in the House of Commons. Can you just tell and, us briefly, uh, yes, the 10 second version of C-13? Absolutely. So C-13 is the modernization of the Official Languages Act. Right. Um, so, you know, which was passed more than 50 years ago. Um, basically, you know, it does a number of things, including, you know, creating a new right uh, to be uh, served and to work in French uh, in federally regulated businesses. So it's it's creating a whole new right there. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it does a number of other things. It also, you know, makes uh, makes it mandatory for all the Supreme Court uh, justices to be bilingual. Also gives a lot more powers to the official languages uh, commissioner, including, you know, um, basically being able to give out, uh, you know, a, a number of sanctions to people who are not respecting the law and uh, according to the Official Languages Act. Um, so it's it's pretty major. I mean, it's it's a big overhaul of the act. There's However, a lot of money attached, right? Billions of dollars. Oh, they put $1.4 billion extra into this yesterday, right? Yes. Uh, so, so that's the action plan. Uh, you right. know, that is, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's related, obviously yeah. it's, yeah. it's uh, pretty much the, the same thing, but yes, a lot of money is, is going into this, um, into this big overhaul and this big reform of official languages, right? Because, uh, you know, and, and the prime minister was there at the announcement yesterday and uh, a number of, of MPs for, um, you know, from minority uh, francophone areas across the country. So this is really a big deal for them. Um, however, there has been a lot of tension, you know, and I think we've talked about this on the yes, podcast. Tell me about the but because not everybody's but. happy about this. <laughs> tell me the but. Exactly. Yeah. The but is uh, a number of Quebec liberal MPs in the Montreal area who are very concerned about the effect that C-13 and this action plan, frankly, uh, could have on Anglophone communities, right? Because, I mean, we're really enshrining into law the fact that French is, um, you know, the only language in Canada that is um, endangered, that, you know, is is in decline. And, uh, I, you know, a number of, of Quebec Anglophones feel that that is not fair to them. And, uh, you know, that is basically just giving a lot of leeway to the province of Quebec and, you know, their own uh, charter of the French language. So it's a little bit complicated, but I, I would just say that, you know, I, I'll be looking for the vote. I, I'm not sure when it is happening exactly, if it's happening before the end of this week. Uh, you know, the debate is still ongoing or the beginning of next week. But we could see a number of MPs such as Anthony Housefather, maybe Emmanuel Lambrakoulos, maybe even Minister Mark Miller vote against this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because not Mark Garneau, Mark Garneau was had big concerns, but he stepped down. Right. Exactly. Um, so the, Anglopho the Anglophones feel that their rights are a little bit fragile there. Yes. So what's the message Trudeau's giving to them? Like, I'm just trying to figure this out. Is it uh, like, is it like fend for yourselves? And I know you're going to vote for me anyway, or what is it? Pretty much. Uh, you know, Justin Trudeau has been very clear. He's like, look, this was a campaign promise. We're going through. You know, basically, he's saying we, we don't care about it. And not that we don't care, but, you know, we, we hear you, we understand you, but we're still going ahead with this bill. 
because it's too important for uh, minor minority Francophone communities, you know, in Ontario, New Brunswick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all across the country, they need this money and they need it urgently. And I had, you know, I, I remember Francis Drouin from, uh, who, he's a Liberal MP yeah. from uh, Eastern Ontario yeah. here. And he said, look, I, I can't go back to my constituents this summer and tell them that once again, we failed to pass this bill. So really, this is very urgent. Uh, and the liberals so you for, know, really for want Francis to go ahead with it. Who's trying to protect French minority rights in, in our area here. It's a big thing. But for Anglophones living in Quebec, they feel under threat because uh, the language laws in Quebec are obviously there to protect French, whether it's uh, Bill C- C-96 and, and not in using the notwithstanding clause and so on. So they feel a bit pinched, right? That's the that's the deal. Oh, I, I, absolutely. Because, you know, and it's it's the, the whole saga is really interesting. I mean, we, we could do a whole podcast about yes. this, frankly, yes. but, um, you know, in the past few months, what we saw is actually a lot of collaboration, actually, between the government of Quebec and the federal government and, and trying to find a you know, way forward that would satisfy both parties in, in C-13. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of elements in C-13 now that, you know, the government of Quebec actually agree with and, you know, are are happy with and it, it really you know the the language in c13 makes it clear that french is under threat even in quebec and you, you know really makes no mention of of english uh, or you know very little mention of you know the, the threat of of anglophones in in quebec so um that is why there's you know a lot of opposition again sure. we don't know the the final number i guess we'll know during the vote but the problem here and i'll, I'll just you know yeah. i'll just say that liberals uh, don't have a lot of whipped votes, but they have whipped votes on, you know, conscience rights, but also on uh, campaign promises. And uh, in this right. case, this is a campaign promise. Right, right. Very, very interesting. Okay, so we will be watching uh, for that vote. And and I'm sure it's going to be another crazy day. It's like they're trying to get everything out the door before they recess. So uh, we'll be talking soon with about many more topics. Absolutely. Have a a great day. That's Catherine Levesque, parliamentary reporter for the National Post. I'm calling on the Prime Minister again today to get involved in these negotiations. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Toronto Star, Armin Yelnesian argues a win for PSAC workers would be a win for all of us. She writes... The biggest public sector strike in Canadian history is testing bargaining power on both sides of the table, as well as public sentiment. The resolution of the strike between the federal government and the Public Service Alliance of Canada will define bargaining power in an era of historically low unemployment rates. The main plot driver is solidarity, or the absence of it, within the union, with the government, and with the Canadian workers. We haven't seen this kind of bargaining power among workers in half a century. This story matters for everyone. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues Canada's climate commitments will not be met. He writes, if you're a Canadian who cares about the state of the planet and the efforts being made by this country to do something about it, you have to be incredibly depressed right now. We are an embarrassing laggard when it comes to meeting the critical climate challenge we face. And in part, it's because of political leaders who haven't shown any real interest in the subject. A couple of years ago, the Commissioner of the Environment and Sustainable Development noted 
that we have failed to produce any meaningful reductions in CO2 emissions in 30 years. It's now clear political leadership isn't serious enough to meet the climate challenge before us. Much like our spending commitment to NATO that likely won't ever be met, neither will the promise we made to the world to clean up our act. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in New York City for the Global Citizen Summit. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will hold two roundtable discussions in Toronto with energy and mining industry leaders and with automotive and steel industry leaders. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will meet with Amalgamated Transit Union Canada in Toronto to discuss safety on public transit. In the afternoon, he'll speak at the 2023 United Steelworkers Convention and then join the QP 233 picket line. Defence Minister Anita Anand will visit Enfield, Nova Scotia to make an announcement about Canadian Armed Forces capabilities. And International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan will make an announcement in Ottawa about the Women's Voice and Leadership Program. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, April 27th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.